Welcome to the Business Focus Podcast. Before we start, can we ask one thing? 74% of you that watch this channel frequently do not subscribe. If you've enjoyed our videos, please could you do me a favor and hit the subscribe button? It helps this channel more than you know, and the bigger the channel gets, the bigger the learning gets. Welcome to the Business Focus Podcast. Jonathan Herbs is the host of the Business Focus Podcast. He is a strategic advisor, coach, and mentor to entrepreneurial business owners, CEOs, and senior executives. In this podcast, he chats with entrepreneurs, founders, and CEOs of scaling companies. It centers around their entrepreneurial journey so far and their aspirations for their companies. Today, we're speaking with Raja Pradeep. Uh, Raja is co-founder and CEO of AUPIT. Um, welcome, Raja. Welcome to, welcome to the interview. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. Nice to meet you. Thank you. So listen, let's just jump straight in. Um, What do you do? What does the company do? So so we uh, provide fractional CIOs, fractional uh, CTOs to small, medium-sized businesses, including startups and um, scale-ups that that can't justify having a uh, full-time C-suite resource uh, uh, um, manning strategy uh, and doing IT leadership. Uh, and we've got a team of about twenty uh, odd uh, CIOs and CTOs uh, that we've uh, that have undertaken over three hundred fifty projects over the last six seven years. And so, tell me about this sort of um, example of some of the services um, that the fractional um, CIOs would, would provide. Yep. So uh, we recently worked on a uh, post merger integration project where uh, a, a large Japanese paper manufacturer acquired a couple of businesses here in Australia. Uh, and obviously, uh, it wouldn't make sense to work on three different systems, payroll systems, have, have three sets of uh, uh, department heads and what have you. So our CIO and CTOs got involved uh, from the point of view of consolidating systems um, and, and looking at old archaic processes, revamping them, and making sure that uh, when the you know the the light switch got you know clicked on, uh, that everything would work from the get go without compromising the operations of these three disparate businesses. And I think I, I, I was reading that you also um, will work with your your clients on strategy, you know, you know almost a gap analysis of of, um, of what they need. Um, yeah. Interesting, given I've just had a, a spam call from you know, allegedly um, Amazon. Um, you know, there's so so much in the security area as, as well, which I, I believe you you're, you, you get involved. And, and the threat threat landscape has evolved so much in the last you know three to five years um, that we often have these conversations with our uh, customers. And a CIO would then wear a CISO hat, a Chief Information Security Officer, if you will. Yeah. Right? And uh, yeah. And, and help customers understand, navigate that threat landscape, and put in place pragmatic solutions. Often, it's not about uh, you know uh, just getting rid of an antivirus solution or getting something new in. It's about leveraging what you've already got and putting human-centric uh, best practices in place so that you're not exposed um, and the threat actor goes elsewhere. That thing. Yeah, so. Okay. So, how long have you been have you been operating? Since 2009. Okay. So, a, a, a good time. How would you describe your core customer, um, the, the ideal customer for your business? The the ideal customer is not so much about the vertical they're in. Um, you know, we, we've, we've got customers in over you know, 100 different uh, verticals, and, and it's not about their size, but they've got to be 
progressive in the sense that they see IT as a as an asset and not as a cost center, and they're willing to leverage technology um, and think of IT as something beyond the support, but something that can add uh, an extra dimension to their business and how they go to market. And they they are the, the perfect the ideal partner for us to collaborate. Okay, thank you. So we've all been through the pandemic. Pandemic, it's really rocked rocked, rocked us all. Um, what are some of the things, the initiatives you you put in place um, from the pandemic that you're actually going to keep in the business going forward? So uh, it's interesting you said that, and you know, obviously, uh, businesses have different challenges. You know, every business is different. Uh, for us, working from home was something that was part of our DNA even before the pandemic. And, and the, given the nature of the work that we do as knowledge workers, um, we always ensured that we got the right team in place. So there's, you know, complete trust uh, within all team members, so that no matter where you are, where you are, whether you work from the beach or from a cafe, from home or a customer site or from the office, you, you just got the work done. So it's always been a very outcome-driven uh, mindset that we have in the business. During the pandemic, we found it was quite interesting. Um, uh, uh, we all had, we were forced to work from home, but also uh, because uh, we, we were a, uh, an important or critical industry. Uh, so where we had to uh, go on site for say, some of our healthcare uh, providing um, customers, uh, healthcare provider customers. Um, it was interesting because uh, some of the teammates struggled, uh, you know, from a mental health perspective, just by just being by themselves, and they really cherished the the opportunity they would get from say, you know, once a month or a couple of times a week to catch up with everyone, have a coffee, uh, and and socialize and collaborate. So it was more that than you know an output driven concern. It was more about the team uh, getting together every every so often and still keeping that uh, team culture alive. I think that was a very important piece. That was, and, and that's something you're you're continuing. Absolutely, absolutely. So we've got everyone's got complete flexibility. Uh, we don't have a policy in place where you know you've got to work from the office or you know it's three days in the office or two days from home. We just leave it to the individual uh, so that they manage their time and they manage the out the the output. Where they work from is up to them. Interestingly enough, what we are finding is uh, uh, the minute you give people the choice. And and then they 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 like hanging out with their teammates and collaborating and having those coffees and lunches, right? Because uh, it's it's not about productivity or, or or you know output. It's about people connecting with other people and fostering that team culture and being and and that feeling that they get of being part of a team. Yeah. Uh, as well. Yeah, and and it's it's really interesting. You know, I've been grappling with the same things in in my business and. Um, uh, my team members who are, you know, we've got, um, I've got, you know, I, I outsource globally, you know, I've got um, coaches in Perth and, and Brisbane and uh, Melbourne, but, um, you know, I bring them all together uh, once a quarter for a couple of days planning. Uh, with my team who are locally based here, they've, they've chosen to be in the office two days a week. Um, and because I love the collaboration and they and men bounce off each other and it, but they still have the freedom of not being um, not not being here which is, is a win-win for everybody yeah absolutely I couldn't agree mm-hmm. more um, and often you you find that you know uh, it, sometimes it's harder when people are working remotely to find time in someone's calendar but if you're sitting right next to them you can just turn around and ask them a question mm-hmm. and that you know you you learn with that and you know get speed and all that sort of stuff yeah, no, it's interesting, and you know the other, the other, you know, some of those other collaboration tools, um, you know, we use. You know, 
even basic things like Slack. Um, at least it gives that, you know, same moment, same moment um, collaboration, which is I find really important. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you. So um, what does the future look like? What do you see as, and what do you see as the main challenges for your business going forward? Uh, good question. Uh, in fact, uh, with COVID, what we realized is that uh, the world in, in, in many ways is, is smaller than we uh, think it is. Uh, yeah. Given that, you know, we, we collaborate with remote teams as well, uh, and we've got team members all across Australia, in Singapore, and in Hong Kong. Uh, we started picking up business overseas. Um, we put in place plans to take us into other markets, uh, and we've got customers overseas now. So we uh, have stopped thinking of ourselves as just a, a local business. Um, and think of us as a global um, a consulting agency and a systems integrator. Um, and the plans for us are to expand globally, uh, you know, bring on new business, perhaps do a couple of acquisitions along the way. And yeah, fabulous. I mean, the only uh, the only downside of that um, I find is is the time zone. Um, yeah, I've got clients who range from UK, Gibraltar, um, the United Arab Emirates, um, Thailand, Hong Kong. Australia, New Zealand, and now uh, West, Co West Coast USA, and the time zones are, yeah. From my perspective, my perspective, it, it, they they start to become very challenging. Yeah, yeah. Then then we've got to find ways to uh, not be the bottlenecks in our own business, right? And yes. have other people do delivery in those time zones. And exactly right. So exactly it's a turnkey right. operation that runs without yourself. But that's a yeah. That's a whole different conversation around scaling. <laughs> well, it's certainly one of the challenges. I agree. Yeah. So, what do you think over uh, over time has been your biggest learning since you became a business, a business owner? Uh, there, there been there been a lot of learnings, uh, and and the 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 biggest learning has been that you need to surround yourself with people uh, who believe in your vision, and and who believe in the direction you're heading in, uh, and where you're going as a business. Because in business, uh, there they, will always be missteps and mistakes and uh, 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 obstacles, right? Um, and every failure is, is not an indictment of the person who's running the business, but it's it's just a, a strategy or a technique, that a tactic that's gone wrong. You need to pick yourself you know, back up, brush everything off, and then go in another direction. And you can't do it if you don't have a solid team that you know believes in you. So having people that believe in your vision and mission, uh, having the right people, uh, from 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 day one is, is very very crucial. Uh, the other big learning is alliances and partnerships. Uh, sometimes I think uh, when when you start up a new business, uh, you tend to go in all directions because you've gone from the comfort of getting a paycheck from an employer uh, month in month out to you know basically writing your own, um, and and you chase after everything uh, that that comes your way because you've got to pay the bills. Uh, and then you quickly learn that not all business is good business. Uh, and the bad business can tend to burn you out. Um, um, and then your delivery teams get stressed and there's bad there's uh, bad culture, bad friction in the, in the business. So it's about learning early in the piece. And I don't know if there's a magic formula or not. I think every founder has got to uh, define that for themselves. Um, they have to, no matter how much you coach them or teach them, they they still make that. It's better sometimes just to let them make that mistake and then learn and go. Ah, oh, you know what? Uh, I shouldn't have picked that business up, but I did. Now I've learned. Here's where you know this is my niche. This is my area of strength. Let let me stick to that that thing. So 
Yeah, look, I, I, I think that there probably is a model. Um, you'd expect me to say that. That's what I do for a living. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think there's a model. Now, having said that, um, it's it's about helping, I think from a, from you know, my client's perspective, and for that matter, mine, because I'm, I'm a CEO as well, um, it's you know actually learning that you can really only focus on three to five things at a time. Any more than that, forget it. You know, it's all just not going to happen. Um, you know, I remember Steve Jobs, one of my favourite quotes of Steve Jobs um, was that he was as proud of what they chose not to do as what they chose to do. In other words, the decisions of, um, you know, where the focus should be. And the other, one of the other things I coach is, you know, who are your own clients? Um, mm. There are times when you need to sack clients. Um, uh, and that's a really hard one, particularly when you're in, in startup, um, huh. scale up mode. So, well, that's yeah. good, uh, the good word you use there, focus, right? Because yeah. especially in this day and age where, uh, you know, everything's, uh, there's so much attention for your eyeballs in this information yes. age, right? Um, we're all, we fall prey to the bright, shiny object syndrome more often than not, right? So, I agree. About, yeah, it's about cutting out the chatter. Yeah. I agree. And your point about collaboration, um, yeah, you don't have to do it, deliver it all yourself. Yeah. 100%, 100%. So, tell me, when you think of the word successful, who's the person that pops in first into your mind? Ah, uh, Successful. Um, Gary Kirsten. Gary Kirsten. Uh, Gary Kirsten wasn't a businessman, but he was a he was an opening batsman for South Africa. Oh, why? And and, and the reason I uh, look up to him as a, as a as a role model for success mm-hmm. is he was a limited. He was an average batsman. Uh, he was not the most talented. Um, he was not the most elegant uh, 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 cricketer out there, and you wouldn't pay to go and watch Gary Kirsten, you know, bat out a day and then just score fifty. Um, but uh, he figured out a method, and he learned from his peers, and he put his ego to his side to pick up all these lessons, and became perhaps the best opening batsman of of, of that generation against some really hostile. Base bowling from the Windies and and Pakistanis uh, and the Aussies back then, um, and his wicket was the most cherished and the most prized. And after he and and to your point about you know uh, coaching, after he uh, quit being a player, he became a very successful coach because he was then able to look at other people and realize, okay, here's how I overcame my own limitations, and these are the things that helped me evolve to the next level. And I can and I can teach that to you. And he was able to make that successful transition from a great player to a great coach, which doesn't often happen. In fact, the opposite, mm. right? Um, yep. And there's various reasons behind that. But uh, so yeah, I, I look look at him as as a as a role model for success outside of the business world. Uh, yeah. Now, it's, yeah, as I mentioned to you in the before we started, this yeah. has become my favorite question of, of the ten mm-hmm. because um, some of the answers, like the left field answers, literally. Gary Kirst, um, uh, one of my other um, CEOs I interviewed, said um, um, Tom Cruise. Hmm. And I went, like I did that with you with Gary Kirsten, why? You know, Tom Cruise, because he's had this, these couple of franchises that have gone for 40 plus years, the number of people that have been employed around him, et cetera. You know? And another said his grandfather. Um, and gave, like 
really, really interesting answers to the question. So, well, yeah, when you're listening, go, go and pin, get, jump in on some of those. It's, um, I will, for sure. Yeah. Um, top business books, podcasts, business blogs. I remember, I remember reading a book called uh, The Hard Things About Hard Things. And I can't remember who wrote I think it was a guy Horowitz. Horowitz, Horowitz, Horowitz yes. Yeah. I, I found that really interesting because I think he's, he's, he, he was very. Uh, very open about some of the things, you know, unlike some of the uh, self-help and other books, you know, where everyone goes, everything's hunky-dory and here's how they quickly went from overnight from, you know, rags to riches. This guy has been very open about some of the problems uh, he faced, very open about the mistakes he made, uh, very open about, you know, the impact that it had on his relationships and so on. So I found yeah. that very instructive, very valuable. Yeah. Yeah. It's an, it's an excellent book. Uh, and particularly because he's... um. Uh, I think he's one of the uh, founding partners of, I think it's Andreessen um, Partners, which is one of the yeah. capital firms in in the um, in Silicon Valley. So you know, the lessons he's giving are, are coming from you know, multiple um, companies that, he, that he's helped. So, so yeah, no, I agree. It's you can't see my bookcase; it's all a bit, bit blurred out of my. But um, it's one of one of one of one of the key books I recommend. So, listen. Any last piece of advice or parting words um, for CEOs who are listening or aspiring CEOs? Uh, uh, one thing I learned uh, a bit later on in my journey, and I wish I had that earlier, is you know, uh, always reach out and uh, ask for help. You know, there's mm. there's uh, as founders and CEOs, whether it's a startup or a mature business uh, that has been going for a hundred years. Um, when we get together as a group, as a cohort, uh, and, and collaborate with people like yourself, you know, uh, coaches and uh, leadership uh, people, you realize, you quickly realize that uh, the things that you're struggling with, someone's already been there and, you know, fixed that before. So rather yeah. than struggle on your own and try to find 10 different ways of solving that problem, just ask, you know, just ask your peers, uh, be open to your peers and help them. And so it, it goes both ways, right? Um <clears throat> Yeah, because everyone can't know everything. Exactly right. And, you know, that, that in many ways is what this interview series is all about. You're helping people with some of those, that, some of those, tough, those tough, tough questions. But, no, that's great advice. Raja, thank you. That's the end of the interview. I really appreciate appreciate. Thanks for having me. That was a very nice talk to you. If you were hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode. And for that, we want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope you enjoyed this new episode. And if you did, please leave us a review on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you watch slash listen. Please share this episode with others who may be interested in this topic. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to admin at scaleupgrowth.co. Put be a guest in the subject line and tell me a little about yourself. If you want to gauge where your business growth potential is and identify where the biggest opportunities in your business lie or where the key needs that you need to concentrate on right now are, take our assessment where you will receive personalized advice for improvement. It's quick and free. Go to scaleupgrowth.scoreapp.com. If you would like to work with me one-to-one, I love coaching and get the best outcomes that way. Send me an email to jonathan at scaleupgrowth.co and put one-to-one in the heading. Tell me a bit about your business and let's see how we can apply a great strategy for your business. So that's it for this week. Tune in next time for more great learnings from a scaling entrepreneur.